Law Focus Podcast. Law Focus with Millicent Duedi and Tepo Mohabi. Tuesdays from 7 to 8 p.m. on PowerFM. to our listener. Welcome to Law Focus on Vive M88.1. It has just gone one minute after seven this evening. My name is Melissa Ndindiweni and I'm with Tepo Mohapi and together we are your hosts for the show. Thank you for joining us tonight. We hope you will enjoy our conversation. Law Focus is here to inform you about your legal rights as well as explore various topics that are legally related. Tonight we're discussing how far we are as a country in terms of progressive legislation and processes for members of the LGBTQIA plus community, especially around name and gender market changes. We've recently been witnessing the judiciary being under the spotlight. There have been allegations of judges being paid and the credibility of the legal fraternity being questioned. Of course, this issue seems like it will be on discussion for a while. Mm. Even President Cyril Ramaphosa came out yesterday and released a statement on the matter. He essentially stated that, Attacks on the judiciary shouldn't be taken lightly. And he further stated that such attacks, um, you know, shake the very foundations of the country's constitutional democracy. And unless those allegations are supported by evidence, such claims undermine confidence in the courts and weaken constitutional order. Yeah, interestingly, EFF leader Julius Malema and the former president, Mr. Jacob Zuma, are among those who made allegations on the on the judiciary. It's interesting because it seems to me that the judiciary is beginning to squeeze both of them and now they're both squealing. But mm. I suppose a story for another day. On a different note, the weather services issued a flood warning for various parts of Gauteng for the remainder of this week. So we hope that you guys all remain safe. Going back to gender-based violence, we've been witnessing this, the case of the uh, slain lady, Tsekhofatso uh, Pule, and, and it's unfolding in the Ruedepoort Magistrates Court in, out in the Western. Tsekhofatso's body was found hanging from, the tree, from a tree in Durban Deep, and that's somewhere in the Westrand. At the time that she was murdered, she was eight months pregnant. And I must indicate the new revelations that are coming out of this case over the past few weeks are, are truly shocking. Truly they are shocking. And I think we'll hear a bit more about it in our legal hotspots. Uh, today's an auspicious day for many, many matriculants because the basic, uh, the Minister of Basic Education, uh, Angie Mutsekhe, released the 2020 matric results. They had been delayed, of course, because of the, um, the COVID pandemic. This normally would happen much earlier in the year or even sometimes late the previous year. And, it, and the matric results have once again, Free State is number one. Well done to the Free State. And it's kept its uh, pass rate at 85%, followed by Gauteng, which was 83.3%. And then uh, Western Cape was very close behind at 79.9%. Now, huge congratulations to the class of 2020. Yes, please. 
Well done. Well done indeed. <laughs> done extremely well considering that normal teaching and schooling was interrupted during uh, the COVID-19 outbreak. It's been a really challenging year for you academically and it's a very important year. Um, now for those of you who didn't make it, remember that there is help out there. It's not the end of the world. Things such as self-harm or suicide are really not an option. Don't give up on yourself. It's really important to realize that a matric result, although it is important, is only a stepping stone to the rest of your life. So you can't do it again. There are things that you can do to help yourself. Don't give up on yourself. And if you really begin to feel uh, disappointed, anxious, depressed, you can always talk to somebody. And um, there are various organizations, but I'd like to point out to the South African uh, Depression and Anxiety Group, SADAG, S-A-D-A-G. And they're available on their 24-hour helpline. It's free and it's 0800-456-789. So it's 0800-456-789. I remember, dear listener, that you're able to contribute to the conversation by reaching us, myself, Millicent, and our producers uh, on our various social media platforms. So we're available on Twitter at VowFM using the hashtag LawFocus on Facebook. We are VowFM. You can also find us on Spotify and you can also access our podcast by visiting vidstarjournalism.co.za forward slash law or you can also visit the Vits Radio Academy page on Iona. Now let's start with the first feature of the week. As I always say, one of my personal favorites is the top legal story for the week, our legal hotspots. Rounding up all, all the top stories of the week Legal Hotspots as Tsekho was speaking earlier, he did allude to uh, the fact that we are going to delve more um, in the legal hotspots on Tsekho Fatso Bule's murder case. And that is the first uh, story that we have for the week. Um, her case has basically been postponed to the 1st of March this year. And the alleged mastermind behind Bule's murder, Nkululelo Ndogozo Shoba, who was her boyfriend, appeared at the Ruedeport Magistrate Court yesterday on Monday um, for a bail hearing. Shaba faces charges of murder, conspiracy to murder, and defeating the ends of justice. According to the National Prosecuting Authority, in a statement, the 32-year-old Shaba was arrested following a plea explanation tendered by Mzukaiise Malifani, who entered into a plea and sentence agreement with the state. So Malifani has been sentenced to an effective 20 years imprisonment. He implicated Shaba as the contractor for Bule's murder, and he detailed that Shaba offered him 70,000 rands to carry out the murder. He further revealed that Shaba had wanted Bule dead, and didn't want his wife to find out about her pregnancy. According to Malifani, the initial plan was to hang Pule from a bridge in Marysburg and uh, use her phone to write a suicide message on her WhatsApp status. He detailed that the first attempt on Pule's life failed after she never pitched up for a job interview at a restaurant next to Golgi City, where Shaba had arranged Malifani to pick her up. And then on the 4th of June, Shaba once again informed Malifani that Pule would be visiting his place and that he would call him to collect her. After receiving the call from Shaba, he collected Pule and drove to Nordgesich where he shot Pule and drove to Durban Dip in uh, Rodeport to hang her on a tree. 
Malifane was arrested on the 15th of June in 2020 last year and he was charged with murder, obstructing the ends of justice and unlawful possession of firearm and ammunition. What a tragic, tragic and very painful story. Yeah, just when you think you've heard the worst, something else emerges just to make your soul sink a little bit more. I don't know when we're going to come to uh, some kind of turnaround with this gender-based violence mm. problem we have in South Africa. And it's a pandemic. Well, a little bit uh, more towards the law side of things. The Deputy Justice Raymond Zonda has filed an application wherein he's asking the Concord to have the former president... Jacob Zuma jailed for two years. This is for contempt of court. Eyewitness News has reported that in Monday's papers, the secretary for, of the commission, who is the applicant in the matter, and the respondents are Zuma, the president, uh, no, sorry, the minister of police, Becky Kale, and the national commissioner of SAPS, that is General Kethas Tolle. Uh, the commission has stated that uh, Zuma's failure to appear before the commission and to file aff affidavits as directed by the court were the grounds on which he should be found guilty of contempt. The news outlet further stated that the commission wants uh, the court to set aside the normal rules for the application and that the application should be heard on an urgent basis. And it said that Zuma's failure to appear at the commission and to file the affidavits was unlawful and intentional. Uh, Zuma has say, uh, Zondo said that the court should uh, uh, should order that the Minister of Police, as well as the SAPs, take the necessary steps to ensure that uh, Zuma is jailed for a period of two years. And it wants him to pay the, uh, the costs of the contempt application. Uh, and what the newspapers, uh, News24, also highlighted is that this is believed to be the first of its kind in South African history. Now, of course, a contempt application is not the first of its kind. That's not what they're talking about. Uh, uh, that happens every day uh, all over the country. It is unusual that it's being done on an urgent basis. But what's really striking is that they're asking for two years imprisonment for the former president that's an unusual thing to ask for some commentators have made real criticism or given real criticisms of, about the length of time which the commission is asking for but it's one thing what you ask for it's another what you get so let's see what the concord says about it all right those were our legal hotspots we'll be back just after this Rounding up all, all the top all stories, of the, stories of the week is legal hotspots Law Focus with Millicent Diweni and Tsepo Mohabi. It's just gone 13 minutes past seven. Welcome back to Law Focus. And we're going to be discussing you know, issues around gender, gender identification, um, whether our laws are really where they're supposed to be. Uh, we all grew up in a, in a society, in a system, in a school, in a church, in a family where you were either male or you were female and there was really nothing in between. Um, and now we must really acknowledge uh, that m some people, and the number is growing, don't necessarily identify as male or female. And the question is, but why should they? And why shouldn't we as a country, as a society, accommodate them? I'm going to hand over to Millicent now uh, so, to introduce our guest. Okay, indeed. Uh, we have on the line with us Spusiso Keswa, and he's going to delve further into this very interesting and informative conversation with us. Uh, welcome to Law Focus, Spusiso. Um, thank you for joining us this evening. 
Hi, good evening and good evening to the to the listeners. Yes. Um so so basically perhaps you can start by introducing the kind of work that you do and you being involved in the LGBTQIA plus community. Oh yes, um I've worked in the sector um yeah for almost two decades now and uh, currently I'm working for an organization called Iranti. We um based in Johannesburg and we use media to do uh, advocacy. Mm, okay. And how how's that yeah. going? Um you use radio stations and everything else. How does that go? How's your work uh, fulfilling the, you know, teaching people about the community especially in terms of the legalese? Okay, so we create uh, media, we um you know, have media projects that we work on to do uh, public education and uh, we train journalists and we do radio interviews like I'm doing now and and uh, social media uh, mainly just to you know advocate um, for transgender intersex binary and um, uh, lesbian and queer women oh okay All right so what are the various pronouns that people use to identify themselves yeah pronouns um of course uh, we are used to she and he those are the main ones that people use but more and more we have uh, non-binary people you know those who do not necessarily identify as men or women mm. um or sometimes they identify with both mm. um and they prefer to use uh, a pronoun they. Right. They, they feel that uh, it's more representative of of who of their gender identity. Mm, mm, mm. So if we have, you know, yes. our, our IDs in South Africa, everybody's allocated an identity number at some point in their life. As long as you're South African citizens, you get an identity number. And the identity number actually contains a lot of information about who you are. And one of them, the seventh digit, actually tells the reader whether you're male or whether you're female. Now, to accommodate non-binary and transgender and intersex persons, what is the recommendation? Uh, some I've heard say we should use the letter X um, or perhaps another digit or other marker uh, which would help us identify that this person is neither male nor female or whatever the case may be. Uh, what's your take on that kind of a suggestion? Yeah, I'm sure um, uh, listeners uh, would have um, uh, heard even uh, uh, via the media or themselves have read the proposed um, identity management policy uh, that uh, came from the Department of Home Affairs. And the first thing they are proposing in this regard is a randomized uh, number. So it's a, it's a gender-neutral number, um, you know, unlike the current situation where and that is coded in the in the IT number. So as the movement, as the sector, as the um, LGBTI organizations, we are in support of that because then, um, you know, then there's no issue. Everybody's just, it's just a number, you know. Um, but in terms of male, female, because then remember in your passport, you mm. must still have a male and a female. Yes. In terms of male and female, there we are proposing an X, and that X stands for unspecified, right? right? So it would be 
and we want it not only to be accessed, that to be to be reserved for for the non-binary, transgender, and intersex uh, persons. We want all South Africans to be able to access the X. Because now, remember, if it's now reserved for 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 the gender minority, then that creates a problem. Yeah, there's, see, a, well, now, there's the potential for stigma there. Exactly, because now if you know, oh, um, this person uh, has X, oh, then Rafila must be one of them. Mm-hmm. And if you don't like them, the, the people you call them, then you you are likely uh, to deny Rafila services and discriminate, and sometimes even violence. Mm-hmm. So... I suppose one of the questions I should have started with was what actually is the difference between gender and sexuality? It seems like a subtle difference, but it seems like an important one. Maybe it's not as subtle as I think it is. Well, um, sexuality is broader, right? Sexuality is broader, but when we, you know, include, um, you know, your your intimacy, your attractions and all other elements mm. but with gender um gender um in sociology they call it um it's a social construct you know it's, it's just a, a it's just a role in society it's just a, how people identify themselves as men and women um it's just how people express uh, themselves as men and women mm. right so it's mostly uh, along those lines that's what um, uh, um, gender is about. Right. While sexuality is, is much more uh, broader than that. Right, okay, I see, I see. Now, do you think also then, so the, the government, especially the Department of Home Affairs, do you feel like they are not pri- prioritizing the LGBTQIA plus community um, in their system, you know, um, by not, you know, ensuring that they incorporate anyone, because it sounds like a very difficult issue to tackle. Listening to you explaining about the eggs uh, being added to um, our different identity numbers and passport numbers, etc., it must be a very uh, difficult process in terms of the law to change that. Yeah, at the moment, uh, up to date, um, we have a law in South Africa, and the law is called the alteration of sex description and sex status um, at 49 of 2003. So that law is important um, uh, for the population we are talking about, the non-binary, transgender, and intersex, because that law allows people uh, to go to home affairs and say, in actual fact, I was assigned female at uh, birth, and in actual fact, I identify as male. So can you please change that? And obviously, Homofer is supposed to change that and give you a new identity number that reflects the gender, your gender identity. Mm. But up to date, then the issue has been the law has been implemented very badly, right? Um, so one, there are no uh, procedures. So when you're talking about government not prioritizing, I will agree with you there because it's a law of 2003, as I said, but up to now, 2021, there's still no procedures in place on how to implement that law, right? 
Um, so then, if there are no procedures, it means it leaves it um, in the hands of the frontline staff at Home Affairs to interpret the law. And many a times they misinterpret it, and as a result, then um, they deny people that service of going there and actually um, apply for your, your gender marker to be changed. Um, sometimes you find that uh, people have to wait for many, many years or three years or so, and you can imagine in the meantime that you have an ID that doesn't reflect who you are, like uh, you are a female now, but your ID says you are male or, or vice versa, then it, it, it puts you in a very difficult uh, position where you, you know, it's difficult even to, to go to retail shops because this is not your ID. I can imagine. It's difficult even to vote and all others, even to apply for housing, it, it just becomes, mm. life becomes very difficult. But so far, um, you know, has there been successful changes um, from home affairs in terms of people applying? Have, are there people you know who've managed to successfully, you know, make it through uh, to the other side? Yeah, yeah. They decided that it, it, now it leaves it in the hands of of, uh, of the officials. So if you are lucky enough, then you go to the home affairs office where you know maybe they are clued up, and then if you're lucky, then then your thing will be processed um, and then it will just be uh, a few months. Uh, but if you are so unlucky, mm. then it will be years, sure. right? So with the proposed policy, things are very promising. Um, uh, home affairs things uh, um, like uh, they want to do it right this time around. And so our job as um, a civil society is to make sure that that happens. So there's the ongoing discussions and ongoing consultation with Home Affairs to really, really get the policy right. And when the policy is right, then the laws will be right. All right. Well, those of you who are outside our footprint, you can stream us live on 5m.com.za.co.za, sorry, and listen to our conversation on challenges uh, being faced by members of the LGBTQIA plus community in terms of legislation on gender market changes, among other issues. And right now, you are hearing and you are hearing the voice of Spusiso Keswa, who comes to us from an ad advocacy organization for the rights of the LGBTQIA plus people and it's called Iranti. It's gone 25 minutes after 7 and we continue our conversation with Spusiso. Um, we still have a very long way to go as a country to adapt to the reality that there are various genders out there. Um, some people are still you know struggling to accept and they you know they stigmatize um, and according to our constitution Everyone has the right to be identified in whatever way that they choose to. What do you then think, Spusiso, can be done to speed up the process, especially to lawmakers um, who are the ones who are ultimately responsible for the implementation of policies and laws that are still discriminating the LGBTQIA plus community, even in the 21st century? Yeah, I think... um you know, the Constitution is um, um, 
uh, the document, the aspirational document, right? That's where we want to see South Africa, that, that how South Africa should be. But at the moment, it's not like that. Uh, in the same way that says everybody has a, a right to housing. We know there's so many homeless people, right? Yeah. So it's a similar situation where uh, there are so many rights that are promised uh, by the Constitution, but at the moment, those rights are not a reality. So it is our job as South Africans, it is our job as government to see to it that we get to that point where the uh, promises of the Constitution become a reality, right? So, uh, but the Constitution is still a very important document because when somebody discriminates me and says you cannot get this job because you are gay, because you are trans or bisexual, whatever, then I can take those people to court and say you are being discriminatory, you are being against the Constitution. Mm. So the Constitution is an important document because it sets the standard, right? So then, such that all other laws of the country should align with the Constitution, including the practice. So the children, people who, who keep um, um, violating human rights of uh, other people, immediately you can take them to court and say, this person has uh, violated my rights because A, B, and C. So all in all, I want to say we still have a long way, you are right, as a result, uh, um, uh, this uh, conversation that we are having, and hopefully one or two persons or listeners will be learning a thing uh, today, and hopefully their minds or their hearts will shift um, mm. in a positive direction. So right. more and more education. I, I, I hear you that there are avenues available for recourse, which is a wonderful thing. And we do have... Some very good legislation in Africa when we look at the Constitution, etc. And our courts, we do have, you know, things like the Human Rights Commission, the Equality Court, all of that. But I'd like to know, um, on a daily basis, you know, what is it from someone who's, who's not a member, but what is it as a member of the LGBTQI community that really, what is the daily grind uh, the things that really make it difficult on a daily basis. I, I imagine people are are not every day being insulted. Every day, someone is not going to be beaten every day. But what are those little things every day that make life just that little bit more difficult, that, that are a reminder that uh, our society perhaps doesn't always um, um, reflect the wonderful laws that we have? Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm sure, I don't know if you know... Um a guy called McGee and he's got a, a YouTube yes, thing. Yes, yes, I heard. Recently he made a very, very um, 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 uh, homophobic and transphobic comment yeah. uh, via his uh, channel. Mm. And of course, then he had to be called to order, right? Mm. Um, and then later he apologized. So on daily basis, then, we, we still have people who are very ignorant, um, sometimes they think it's just a, a joke. They make a, a joke uh, about the, uh, an LGBTI person and, you know, expecting people to love. And uh, for those people who are conscious enough, they need, in the same way that we cannot stand uh, people who do, um, um, who, who commit uh, gender-based violence, mm. in the same way that we frown upon those people. 
then we should frown upon people who are, you know, who are transphobic or homophobic. You know, when you are sitting with your friends and, you know, they make uh, this gay joke, you need to correct it and say, dude, it's not funny. In the same way, we, 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 we should uh, discourage people who are xenophobic, you know, that, you know, out of that joke, mm. somebody will take a next step and the next step and the next step and it can end up very, very bad. Um, you know, sometimes um, people, just like uh, with racism, sometimes people, they don't say, you know, I don't hire you because you're black. But as soon as they realize uh, your sexuality, then you are immediately excluded. Mm. You know, we are currently busy with a case, a very big case of um, um, a case of uh, a, a, a trans person who works for a big uh, company here in Johannesburg. And, you know, uh, uh, the person is a trans woman and they said, no, cannot use the same change rooms with uh, other women. Mm. You mm. see? Mm. So mm. on daily basis, it could be in sports, it could be at the workplace, it could be at school where you find that uh, you have a, a trans uh, child and um, the school does not allow the person to to use the toilet that, um, um, that other uh, are used by the same gender. Yeah, yeah so it's, it's still a long way to go, mm. but um, we keep doing it. Oh, thank you, Sister. We really appreciate that insight and some of those heartfelt examples that you've given us. I mean, ultimately, all of us need a little bit of empathy. It doesn't matter uh, whether for someone who's straight, okay, or male or female, or um, any other gender. Uh, empathy, I suppose, is what will get us there. It's just gone uh, 28 minutes uh, to 8 o'clock. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be back in a few minutes with our next guest, is going to unpack this topic just a little bit more. Bringing you the facts, handing you your rights. This is Law Focus. And welcome back to Law Focus. Um, we're discussing uh, a, quite a, a deep conversation today around gender and LGBTQI uh, A plus community and gender markers, pronouns, all of the things that some of you might be uncomfortable with. It's still a conversation that needs to happen. When I say some of you, I'm excluding myself. Let me say some of us, let's be honest. I say some of us as a community, as a country, may be uncomfortable with, but it's a conversation that still needs to happen. Uh, yeah, we're approaching 8 o'clock quickly, a little bit too, 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 too quickly for my liking, so let's get straight to it. Um, there are some legislative uh, processes which are going ahead and they seem to be progressing, but that doesn't mean that the challenges don't still still exist in this country. The, Gov the Department of Home Affairs, they've gazetted uh, what's called it's a draft identity management policy. And it's partly in a bid to make South Africa's identi uh, identification system more inclusive. At the moment, it's binary. It's male or it's female. Uh, the document states that gender and sexual identity minorities are excluded because the current laws and policies don't really cater for changes in gender, sex, etc. within the identification system. And obviously in South Africa you need to be identified correctly in order for you to be able to access all sorts of basic services. So it's a challenge. And if you missed it, uh, we've already spoken about reports of a lot of LGBTQIA plus community members who 
have allegedly been experiencing discrimination when attempting to register or update their gender in the department's uh, ID system, that is the Department of Home Affairs. And according to the Gazetted document, the structure of an ID number including its format and its length, requires careful consideration of country, context, and privacy concerns. That includes uh, gender uh, somehow being thrown in there. So we're going to invite to the show Mix Tish Lumas White, uh, with whom we will go in depth with, um, and she's going to be addressing the issue of using the third person plural pronoun and why it's important in this day and age to be considerate of how everyone identifies themselves and how we um, call other people. Tish has um, have worked extensively on sexual orientation and gender identity advocacy. They are very passionate and committed to social justice advocacy and creating safe spaces in higher learning institutions and beyond. Welcome, Mixtish White, Law Focus, and thank you for joining us. Did I pronounce that correctly, the MX? Thank you, thank you. Um, yeah, most of the pronounced mix as in last thing you did in the vegetation case, and you're combining them Okay, um, let's let's begin with the challenges that you are experiencing and have experienced in the past in terms of legitimizing your identity as a transgender person. Well, as a South African citizen, when I was sixteen, like many of my peers, I got my ID back, and as I in my identity, I very quickly realized that this was, was not the name that I wanted. Um, this was not a gender marker, you know, that um, affirmed who I really was. And so there was a stage of, I think, what some misguided people may have seen as rebellion, where I unfortunately attended a school where we have to wear name badges. And it was mandatory for um, the um, people who attended the school to wear their first name on a badge and their chest. And the school continuously refused to give me a opportunity to buy a badge that had my name on it. So it really started with me just sitting there, designing my own badge and just stapling it onto my uniform. Um, Pardon me, just designing your own. Quite a few years later, uh, in 2017, I went to the Department of Commerce's EDL branch and asked to change my first and last name. Uh, There's no point in changing my gender marker because it doesn't exist. Um, And that process has been going on for four years. And during this process, the biggest challenge for me has been that the Department of Human Affairs has delegitimized me. So they've created a block on my profile on their system for trying to change my name. And this means I can't get a legal ID, uh, which means I can't fly. It means that I can't bank. 
Um, it has all sorts of implications for so many aspects of my life that it was basically, if I were to sum it up in one word, makes me sound like I'm a guy. Sounds like it's a very challenging, um, you know, I don't know. It, you just the lifestyle just becomes so difficult um, when you are not accommodated by most, if not almost all factors of society. Your life almost kind of stops because of the legal, um, you know, ramifications that don't cater for trans people. Um, could you repeat the question, please? Oh, it was just a statement that I was making, you know, listening to, you know, your story. I think it's so difficult. There's so many things you can't do uh, simply because you are identified as trans. And at the moment, the law doesn't cater for, you know, your gender change. It does not sound like it's an easy journey at all. Um, can you perhaps then elaborate? To our listeners, um, in terms of um, how my physical transitioning impacts on my legal identity, the legal identity is what I was speaking of about. Course, mm. Of course, mm. so that is one wild time that a good former friend of mine once described as an experience of being, or well, rather pretending to be a very bad secret agent. Wow. And basically just living in a world that refers to somebody that doesn't exist. Mm. And unfortunately, the secret spy agency gave you a really gross name, but you kind of just got to work with it. They gave you a really gross gender identity that isn't you, but you kind of just got to work with it. And... I think that is one of the approaches I've taken, you know, from that particular person that has helped me in a mental health capacity because it is exhausting, demeaning and dehumanizing to constantly be referred to as your dead name or be misgendered on a daily basis. Wow. So for me, that put it into perspective, but... There's still, there's, there, there's, there's three steps that need to be taken, but only two are really taken by people who perceive my gender identity, who will see me, for example, going into um, maybe a shop and will then um, try and identify my gender. Mm. So this could be on a phone call from, I don't know, maybe somebody selling insurance. Um, it could be in a shop, it could be um, in many different spaces. People will look for clues. I've been on HRT for four years now in the form of injectable testosterone, so I have a beard. Mm-hmm. Um, my body fat has redistributed, so I don't have hips anymore. Um, like a lot of my chest um, tissue is atrophied, and I'm in the process of trying to access um, what we refer to as top surgery to remove what is left entirely. Um, Obviously, as you can tell, my voice is deeper than somebody you would typically associate with being a woman, whatever that means, Um, because women have all kinds of voices. So all these cues I pursue and really hope that people are going to take one step. Hi, how are you? Take two steps. 
Welcome to the first event. Take the first step by saying, you know, articulating um, a, a respectful kind of iteration of gender. And that's where you get people who will say good morning, sir, and then halfway through a conversation change to ma'am. Um, or, you know, people will call me ma'am and then um, say, oh, I'm, 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 I'm so terribly sorry, sir. And it's, it's very, it's very weird. Um... Yeah, I'm, I'm very curious, Tish, about, about you know, what you're talking about now. How, mm. how, why is it so crucial then for, for us to first and foremost, when communicating with someone, to first find out what name, what pronouns, and what title they use to avoid, you know, like what you're describing in your experience, these offensive remarks that are just like, okay, you know? Um, it is absolutely critical because you're you're affording us like another human being your basic respect. Mm. If I need to put it that simply, you are affording somebody some you know respect that is due to them. And honestly, the only person that tells you what their gender is. And I include children in this as well, is the person themselves. Mm-hmm. And that gender may change over time. That gender might stay static. Uh, so generally what I tell people in our safe sensitive training is that it's really important when you meet somebody for the first time, you ask, you know, hey, um, yeah, it's, it's your name's Tish, right? Yeah, um, it's really good to meet you. Um, yeah, good to meet you too. Fantastic. Look, um, I just want to make sure that I'm respectful of your identity and I don't want to call you something that may distress or hurt you. Please could you let me know what are your, um, what, what is your title? What pronouns do you use and what name do you use? And I could get back to them in the table. Thank you. Thank you for asking. That actually really means a lot. And say, well, my title's Max. Um, my pronouns are they, them. And, um, you know, you can uh, refer to me as Tish. And after that conversation, the most crucial point is to ask that person who they're out to. So when I say out, I'm referring to the closets. Mm. The metaphorical closets, mm-hmm. not the literal closets. Yes. Um, <laughs> and trying to establish because in my context of my job, I don't want a young transgender man to come into my office and tell me about how, um, I don't know, you know, maybe he wants to um, change courses because his courses he feels are not what he um, really wants to do. And um, says to me, please can you call my mom and just like let her know that um, I'm getting help for the gender stuff, you know, and that I'm doing okay. So I said, well, okay. Um, obviously, I won't divulge any conf- any confidential details that we've discussed in our session, but I'm happy to call her. Just give me her number. I call mom and I'm like, so good evening, person. Um, 
So your son um, has been seeing me for three weeks and we had a session today. Halfway through the conversation, I get a, what, 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 what son? Son, I don't have a son. Mm. Who are you talking to? I think you've got the wrong number. Which is why it's really important whenever you ask somebody what their name, their pronouns, their title are, ask them who knows. Mm. Ask them who they're out to. Because I could now have created a situation in somebody else's household where this guy is going to get kicked out of his home by his mom because I've just revealed his identity to her. Mm. And, you know, obviously we have huge problems if that happens. Mm. So, yeah, always, always important to ask just for the sake of safety Mm. and to not assume. Well, Tish, thank you very much for joining us tonight. It's been an incredible uh, conversation with you. You've given us many things to look out for. And I think we all are going to walk away from this a little bit more aware of some of the challenges that exist um, for the LGBTQI community. We really appreciate your time tonight. Um, Good night. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, that was Tish White. Um, She is an activist and she's also here at um, at WITS doing great work uh, with the LGBTQI community giving us a great deal of information about what to be sensitive about, uh, what the challenges may be, and some of the practical day-to-day things. I've never walked into a shop and someone has said, hello, ma'am, to me. Um, you know, little things Finish. like that which can, yeah, little things like that that you don't notice if you're not in a position where people do make errors or do throw insults. It's something to think about because it's not always part of each and every one of our lives. Yeah. And you know, even that issue of mental health that she mentioned when she was sharing her experience, that's something else that, you know, a cisgender person would not suffer from mental health as a result of gender identity and people making assumptions or, you know what I mean? Um, Some of these privileges are... I guess it's quite profound um, yeah. what other people really yeah. go through. You never notice it until somebody actually tells you and explains it to you. Well, we've come to the end of another show. Thank you for joining us. We've definitely learned something tonight on uh, on tonight's topic, something that perhaps we need to learn, all of us. Not perhaps, we definitely do need to learn. To our guest, Tish White and Sbusiso Kwesa, thank you for sharing your knowledge with us and some of your experiences uh, and, and making us open up to things that uh, we're not always aware of. To our production team, our producer, Rifile Mekwa, and our technical producer, Kutwana Sarama, thank you for putting the show together. Uh, for us, really, we appreciate your guys' work. It's always stellar. For myself, Tapamapi, and Millicent Nduin, it's always a pleasure being with you every Tuesday night. We hope you enjoy the rest of your evening. Thank you for tuning in, tuning in tonight, and uh, we'll see you again same time, same place next week. Good night. Good night. Law Focus Podcast.